0: Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. Hello. Last week we spoke about how God calls us to go, to go into the depths of our own hearts, inviting Him to heal the things that we often hide in shame. How he calls us to go and intentionally seek opportunities to lead others to a God-inspired life in our workplaces and friendship circles. How he calls us to go and serve the community, meeting the needs of others over and above ourselves. How he calls us to go and influence others on platforms, in places and new spaces. How he calls us to go beyond our comfort zones and know the miracles of fruitfulness, accomplishment and prosperity beyond all we could ask or imagine. And we asked ourselves the question, what if we chose to go on God's word, changing the destiny of our lives and others? What if? Because if you don't go, you won't know. Our very own celebrity, Trevor Noah, said in his book Born a Crime, I don't regret anything I've ever done in life, any choice that I've made, but I'm consumed with regret for the things I didn't do, the choices I didn't make, the things I didn't say. We spend so much time being afraid of failure, afraid of rejection. But regret is the thing we should fear most. Failure is an answer. Rejection is an answer. Regret. Is an eternal question you will never have the answer to. What if? If only. I wonder what would have. You will never, never know, and it will haunt you for the rest of your days. We don't want to live with the regret of what ifs because we didn't have the faith to go, driven by God's word. Recently I was watching a TV show where contestants had to get into groups of two, one of them were blindfolded and the other one had to go and stand on the other side of an obstacle course and begin shouting instructions to their teammate who was blindfolded. The problem was that some of those that were blindfolded began to confuse the voice of their teammate with the teammates of others and they began to be driven in their direction by the wrong voices. Many of them would have regretted not paying close enough attention as they ended up somewhere they didn't want to be, walking into the obstacles and stumbling around. And like those people in that situation, you and I are all driven by a voice of some sort, whether it's God's or others. Rick Warren explains in his book, A Purpose Driven Life, when he writes, Right now, you may be driven by a problem, a pressure, or a deadline. You may be driven by a painful memory, a haunting fear, or an unconscious belief. There are hundreds of circumstances, values, and emotions that can drive your life. But our go should be driven by God's word alone. The problem is that unknowingly we often are driven by words other than God's, by the pressures, deadlines, and fears mentioned by Rick Warren. We often love Jesus but find ourselves in situations and circumstances we regret because something other than God's word began driving our direction. And it's your direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. This is why the author of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, Paul, writes to the church in Hebrews 2 verse 1 to 2 and says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. The power of God's word is important in our personal lives and we need to hold closely to it to ensure we don't begin to drift away going driven by the voices of things other than God himself. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 to 17, Paul writes to young Timothy about the power of God's word when he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Two things to recognize about God's Word that should drive our go. Number one, Scripture is able to instruct us for salvation. This version says it's able to make us wise for salvation. God's Word reveals how we should live out our salvation in everyday life. Because as Philippians 2 verse 12 in the New Testament describes, each of us are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We take responsibility to work out our salvation through Jesus, and God equips us in a practical way to do this. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, "'Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path.'" God's word reveals truths brought to light beyond the scope of science, which we live by in our everyday life because our salvation is not only for a future in heaven, but a purpose in the present. And I need to know how to work that out with fear and trembling so that I am on the path of God's purposes. And God doesn't leave me to figure that out alone. He says here, Have a lamp to guide your feet and a light for your path, my word. What happens though is that we may start with the light guiding our way, but very often other voices, pressures and deadlines begin to distract us, just like some of those teammates that were blindfolded in that TV show. This is why Paul says, as I referred to earlier in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1, we are to Listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. You don't want to drift from where the light leads your steps. God's word guides us as we work out our salvation. The second power of God's word that should call us to go is that Scripture is God-breathed, When God spoke, He created the universe. He spoke us into existence and breathed life into our nostrils. Therefore, if it's God's words that are driving your go, you are being led into the abundant life His breath creates. So never be afraid to go on God's word that enlightens truths beyond the scope of science because it always leads to His abundance. Let's remember, amateurs built the Ark on God's Word, while professionals built the Titanic on scientific calculation. So, the question we should continually be asking ourselves in our human experience is what is driving my go? What is driving my go in everyday life? From the way I talk to my spouse, to the people I reach, to the places in which I put my money, and the way I serve others beyond myself. What is driving my go? Because very often it's a voice other than that of God's. Now there are five common drivers other than God's word that often seek to direct our lives. And they are guilt, anger, fear, materialism and the need for approval. Today, as I touch on each of these, I want you to reflect on which one of these common drivers you may unintentionally be allowing to drive your go. The first one is guilt. Guilt is the result of having done something we perceived as wrong, and every moment we have the chance to do the right thing before us, we are reminded of the guilt behind us. In fact, people who struggle with guilt often unconsciously punish themselves by sabotaging their own success. What we must understand is that we may have to own the consequences of the past, but we don't have to be a prisoner to it. The enemy's one goal is to imprison you in the guilt from your past failures in order to steal your future success. Recently, I read a quote from someone that said, The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. Religion will point at your mistakes and say failed. Jesus meets you relationally in the middle of your mess and calls you forgiven. And this is the key because the answer to overcoming guilt is confession developing the habit of confession before God and others in our daily lives. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then in James chapter 5 verses 16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God's forgiveness and our healing from the bondage of guilt that tries to imprison us is found in a life of confession. So breaking the drive of guilt starts with confession. Another driver that's common in our personal lives is anger. This is when instead of releasing our pain through forgiveness, we rehearse it in our minds over and over. We then build up resentment and offense. Gandhi said, nobody can hurt me without my permission. And this is actually a biblical principle. You see, offense is always taken, meaning it's in our power to let it go. That's why Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 in God's word guides us by saying, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It's interesting that the word overlook in the English comes from two Hebrew words, and these words literally mean to pass over. And Passover is a significant event within God's salvation plan for mankind, recorded in the Old Testament book of Exodus. Passover was established when God rescued his people Israel from Egyptian slavery. After nine plagues did not move the Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, God sent one final plague that provoked the king of Egypt to free the Israelites. This plague was the death of all Egypt's firstborn sons. Now the Israelites were instructed to spread the blood of a sacrificed lamb on their doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over their households. In so doing, the Israelites marked themselves off as God's people saved from death. Though God elected to save the Israelites, their sin did not make them any less worthy of death than the Egyptians, but God provided a way for them to escape death in those days. Ultimately, this looked forward to the time when Jesus would shed his blood on the cross as the Lamb of God so death would pass over us once and for all, even though we deserved to pay the price for our sins." When we overlook an offence, we are passing over the rightful punishment we feel our perpetrator deserved, the same way Jesus' blood washed away our sin, allowing the death we deserved to pass over us. That's why Ephesians 4, verse 32 in the New Testament guides us by saying, Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Andy Stanley, the well-known speaker and Christian author, says, In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Forgiveness is required to avoid being driven by anger. And then the third common driver, other than the word of God in our lives, is fear. Fear is an anxious feeling caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or experience. It means we may miss out on great opportunities, afraid to venture out. And if fear is driving your go, you aren't going anywhere. Just like the entire Israelite army in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 in the Old Testament, where this army remained in deadlock with their enemy, the Philistines, because of the giant Goliath that stood before them. They said no to God's go because of fear and it's on this backdrop that a young shepherd boy called David got involved and we read of the records of David and Goliath. A while ago I read a book called David and Goliath by Professor Malcolm Gladwell and in his book he suggests that David may have not been the underdog in that fight. Based on past historical documents around slingers during that period, they came to the conclusion that the stopping power of David's stone when it hit Goliath's forehead would have been the equivalent of that of a 45 millimeter handgun. While Goliath required hand-to-hand combat, David could still stay at a safe distance. Now whether or not there's any truth to that theory... What it helps you realize is that the greatest enemy to God's people was never the Goliath they were called to confront. It was the fear that filled the space between where they were positioned and where their Goliath stood. We know that God's word tells us in Christ we are more than conquerors. The enemy knows we are too. That means the only way he can try to keep us from confronting our Goliath is by creating fear between where we are positioned and where our Goliath is standing. Because the enemy knows we can't conquer what we don't confront. The most powerful force that kept the Israelite army from conquering was not the Goliath they were called to confront, but fear. Contrary to the fear of that army was a young boy called David that had faith. And we see his faith as he confronts Goliath and then declares in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Fear is our greatest enemy, and it is overridden by faith. So we've looked at how so often... Guilt, anger, or fear can begin driving our go over God's Word. And the fourth common driver is materialism. This is when the desire to acquire becomes the whole goal of your life. When we fall into materialism, we begin to attach the wrong price tags to the things of this world and the things of God. We see this played out in the treachery of Judas who asked the chief priests how much money they were willing to offer him if he handed Jesus over to them. Judas then betrayed the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver seemed more valuable than God himself. I wonder where those pieces of silver are now. Perhaps they will one day be found in an archaeological site." I wonder if those pieces of silver are still worth the price of betraying Jesus. Had Judas the ability to hold them in his hands now. It brings context to Matthew chapter 16 verse 26 in the New Testament that says what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? The most significant riches in our lives are the riches of the soul. Only a person has a soul that is saved by Jesus. Therefore, God created us to love people and use things. But materialists love things and tend to use people. We need to ask ourselves, where does God feature in the list of things I value the most in life? Because this will reveal a lot about our hearts. Because materialism is a heart issue. And that means generosity is the way we can loose the grip of materialism in our lives. Because giving is the way God chooses to change our hearts. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 in the New Testament, the words of Jesus are recorded in which he says, where you place your treasure, there your heart will be. He was saying where you place the things you value most will be where your heart goes. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 verses 15, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Jesus says watch out because materialism can easily drive your go over and above God. We avoid being driven by materialism when we become generous. And the fifth common driver that takes the place of God's word in our go Is approval. This is when we live striving to meet the expectations of others in order to be approved, valued, and worthy. We live to be loved rather than living loved, which means we seek the love God's already given us in people and all the wrong places. Our energy goes into doing things to determine our worth under the weight of religious rules, instead of being still and discovering our worth in knowing God out of relationship. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 22 and 23 of the New Testament it says on that day the day of judgment many will say to me Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. A lot of doing we read about here and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me. The word there when God says, go away, I never knew you. The word knew there is to know out of a heart relationship and not mere religious head knowledge. You don't need to earn man's approval when you've been appointed by God. And so we avoid being driven by approval when we begin to discover our worth in Christ over and above our achievements. So, Having looked at these five common drivers today, guilt, anger, fear, materialism, and approval, I want to ask you, which one of these five drivers do you struggle with the most? What if God's word gave rise to my go over and above my guilt, my anger, my fear, my material wealth and popularity? Well, it would mean that I wouldn't live with the regret of what ifs, but testimonies of what God had done. I want to ask you a question today. What if I chose to be driven by God's word, living my life using what God had given me for his purposes? What if I chose to be driven by God's word, living my life Using what God had given me for His purposes. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, the only question God will ask you when you stand before Him in fullness is, what did you do with what I gave you? When God asks me that, I don't want regrets. I don't want to be asking myself, what if I had chosen to go driven by His word over my fears, pressures, and deadlines? I want to know that I could pour out my heart with confidence knowing I gave him my whole life over and above my guilt, anger, fear, possessions, and popularity. Because if it were up to guilt to respond to God's question, guilt would say, Well, I hid. Anger would say, I fought. Fear would say, I stopped. Materialism would say, I stored. And approval would say, I sought. But our response is, I surrender. I surrender my guilt with confession, my anger with forgiveness, my fear with faith, my materialism with generosity, and the need for approval with acceptance. Today, I pray that you would find the courage to confess to forgive, to embrace faith, to live generously and accept your worth based on what Christ has done, not what you do. And as you go, you will come to know God's miraculous work beyond all you could ask or imagine.